G'day, g'day everyone. This is Rita Join and welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast, how to turn a passion into a profession. If ever you've just wanted to go into a career that's not very conventional, something that's really out of the ordinary and everyone would kind of say to you, are you serious? Like, is your head screwed on the right way? I might guess today has a career that is quote unquote unconventional and that means that it's not what you would learn at school about. It's not something that you would study in academia, but the fact that he's built a career, the fact that he's gone out and done it is an example of what's possible when you want to do something that's kind of different from everyone else. So my guest today is an entertainer, he's a comedy hypnotist and he's a mind hacks speaker. He's the author of Mind Hacking Happiness, which has become the number one bestseller he landed a spot as a radio comedy writer, became a popular producer and presenter, winning three national awards. He's traveled a full year, traveling the world as Crap Elvis. Remember I said unconventional? Yeah. <laughs> he, he saw a hypnotist one time and became fascinated about the mind. And he found the best teachers to teach him about hypnosis. And he crafted and perfected his stage performance. He's now a comedy hypnotist. Please welcome Matt Hale. Matt, welcome. Hey, oh my, it is lovely to be chatting to you. Jeez, I'll tell you what, that intro sounded lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you I was thinking, no, that guy, that guy sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. <laughs> now, I want to know, I start off every interview with asking people, what's a failure that you, has really resounded in your life? And the reason I do that is because, yeah. you know, you've made it. There's a reason why we're interviewing you. But I want to just now yeah. create a connection with the audience to say, you know, you are still very much human. So could you please tell us about a failure that uh, has been very obvious and very prevalent in your life. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one big one, which actually happened uh, probably about uh, only about two or three years ago. So, while you know, in in a, in a period of relatively you know relative success in in, in what I do, but um, something huge happened, which which kind of really changed everything. And that's uh, I, I, a lot. Of, a lot of my year is based on doing corporate presentations, whether it's, you know, entertainment for corporate events, doing the comedy hypnosis shows, or whether it's talking at conferences, doing my keynote talks. But at the beginning of the year, I generally do one or two very big uh, fringe festivals. And there's one here in Perth, uh, where I'm based here today, um, uh, called Fringe World. I think it's the third biggest in the world. Uh, I do that on quite a big scale every year, which means I do 35 shows or up to around about that. Uh, you know, it's across a month, it's, it's huge. Um, I, I'm pretty much one of the biggest shows in that festival in, in respect to how many shows I do. And so with that, you know, I have to spend a lot of marketing um, and, and everything. I mean, it, it, it's a calculated risk from my side from past years. I know what, you know, our, our figures and numbers we, we've done each year as we go through on, on those things. Uh, but, you know, spend tens of thousands of dollars on uh, making sure this festival works for me, you know, uh, marketing promoting now i think it was uh probably not this year the year for it but about two and a half years ago so three festivals ago uh it's probably you know i just come off the back of my most successful one the year before working with the same um company who were running the venue that i was actually performing in and did the same thing i actually had the biggest season i had in terms of uh, box office sales um, attendances, that kind of thing, fantastic season. And unfortunately, the company that was running the venue, uh, after the festival had paid all the money from the ticketing, 
to that company who then distributes it depending on how your percentage split that you've agreed on is, um, they went bust and um, we did not get paid a single cent. Um, yeah, which was quite tricky wow. to tell you the truth. Wow. <laughs> so, what did you do? Well, well look, to, put, to put it in perspective, like we're, we're only a small business in the fact that you know, I'm the public face of it. My wife is my manager, full-time manager, the show producer. Uh, so it's, it's, it's two people working on this full-time. We also have a, a temporary team when we go into these things. We have a publicist. We have different uh, marketing people working for us and that. Fortunately, we had paid all those people. Um, we were able to pull money out of our mortgage to just try and keep afloat. Mm. Um, and it was kind of interesting because it was literally at the time where I just put this book. I know you mentioned it earlier. I just put this book together and it just come out. And so if ever there was a time for me to practice what I preach in this book, uh, it was then. So there were, yeah, so there were, there were two ways I could have gone about it. And, and I did see it happen because it wasn't just me affected. Although I was the person who was, or, or I was the act that was you know, the biggest caught up in it and, and by, by a, a, a huge factor, the, the most financially affected. There were a number of other artists affected and, and, and some of them went down the route of being very, you know, outwardly publicly angry and and I completely understand that I completely understand that from my perspective you know I had to go with the things I, I, I teach and that was like okay what can I change what can't I change and and the fact is you know me being angry shouting getting nasty getting you know that wasn't going to change anything it wasn't going to make any difference whatsoever except probably give me me a little kind of nasty feedback loop into how I was feeling like, yeah, poor me, poor me. You know, it, it really was a time for to kind of, okay, you know, what do we do to fix this? Uh, we were fortunate we paid all the people on our side. So that, that was, you know, covered, but um, yeah, so it was a case of actually kind of almost going back to uh, the start of a, a number of years ago when I was initially doing uh, comedy hypnosis shows to begin with. And probably doing some of those kind of smaller shows and, 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 and kind of bookings I probably wouldn't naturally do now. Um, but, and kind of working, you know, traveling and working and traveling and working way more than I, I, I would have accepted those bookings, you know, at, at this point normally. So, yeah. So, uh, so through the course of the, that year, I managed to kind of, you know, pull ourselves you know, level wow. again until we hit yeah. the festival again last year or the year before i can't remember now yeah oh, so you went back to the festival yeah because it was nothing to do with the festival like it wasn't the festival's fault like the festival operated like it has done with all the other 750 shows that, that, that they run you know that's that's the way it goes you know they take the money they give it to the the venue the venue you know you have a contract you you could the split but um yeah you know it went it went legal and everything but unfortunately we, we, we ended up without a cent from them but wow uh, but we're here the reason why I, I wanted to get into that is because you are a comedy hypnotist and so we don't get to see that side of you. We don't get to see that side yeah. of the life, like behind the scenes yeah. of what it really yeah, yeah. is. So tell me when you, and you, you said to me something very important. You said it took you back to the time when you first started getting shows. How do mm. you get shows anyway? Like how is someone listening? How does someone go out? They want to be a magician. They want to be a comedy hypnotist. They want to do just some hypnotist on their own. How do you go about getting shows? 
well, this is really interesting because I actually now te teach this, like this actually kind of like system on how I'm doing this around the world. You know, I was in the U UK last year. We were going to be back there this year doing the same thing um, because, you know, there are people who kind of like, ah, okay, you know, not only do I want to learn the skill, but then when I've got the skill, how do I make it something? Because, you know, you, you can be the best singer in the world, but you may still only be singing in a pub down the road for the rest of your life unless you know how to, you know, ratchet that up. Um, so for me, I figured the fact is like, okay, yeah, I, I, I love, I loved hypnosis. I wanted to put the show together. We can get into like how it got to that point later, if you like, but you know, having not, you know, knowing I could do a show, you know, knowing that I've got a show together, did I know the public were going to like it or not? I'm not sure. But I certainly knew that someone wasn't going to go, oh, there you go, Matt. That's lovely. You've just started to do that. Here you go. I'll book you. Here's some money. Come and do this. That's not going to happen. You know, anyone who's wanting to book entertainment for the rent is going to go with someone who's got experience. You know, so in my mind, I was like, well, I'm going to have to put stuff on myself. I'm going to have to force it to happen. So what I started doing was, and again, you know, I was moving from, having given up a really, really good job in the media. Yes, because <laughs> you're a presenter, I, I, weren't you? Yeah, I was a, a presenter and producer on, a, on, on commercial radio, on breakfast radio, uh, but I, I quit that to do this. And so I, I, I did need to earn money. I didn't have much money to kind of spend out because I'd gone to nothing. Um, I, I was doing some part-time stuff. I, I'll come back to that in a moment, just <laughs> make sure you ask me. Uh, but to get the shows, I... I I decided, okay, where can I put on a show where it's not going to cost me much? And I figured, well, do you know what? I know there's venues. They might not be traditionally the kind of venues you might see a show in. It's like it might not have a proper stage. It might not be a theatre. It might not be an entertainment center and that kind of thing. But, you know, where could I at least entertain a few people? And so I think there's certain venues which only open to put a show on, but then there's so many venues which are open seven days a week, no matter whether there's one people, one person in there or, you know, 500 people in there. And that's kind of pubs, you know? So most pubs are open seven nights a week. And, you know, sometimes there's a quiet night, a Tuesday night, Wednesday night. So I started approaching pub owners and saying, hey, I've got this show. I'd love to come and put it on in your, in your bar. How about I, um, you know, we charge a ticket fee and, you know, we'd either negotiate a, a split on that or not. And I'd say, look, I'm going to put this on for free. You don't have to pay me, but let's uh, put a, a ticket price on the door. Um, you know, I, I was here last night. There were only 12 people in your pub on the Wednesday night. So, what, you know, what have you got to lose? Some people were really open to that. Some people weren't. But, uh, you know, knocking on enough doors, mm. I found enough people. And especially if you spoke to the owner, not the manager, the manager's getting paid a wage and that's fine. And it's like, oh, we don't do that kind of thing. But you talk to the owner who's like, yeah, I need to pay my staff tonight. Mm. Well, then they seem to be very open to the fact of like, yeah, let's try this. It's a nothing to lose situation. So I started putting shows on in in this kind of almost like worst logistical um, uh, you know, situation for, for a, a, the kind of show I run. But I did them in these kind of venues and you know, yeah, I was charging ticket money from the get-go and, and earning money. And then what that enabled me to do was, you know, in a very short space of time, you know, was get a little bit of recognition, but also during the shows I would say, hey, you know, and if you're having any private events, yeah, come and speak to me afterwards and I'll give you some information. So it was that, that was how I then, kind of almost bought my credibility into being able to do shows for other people. You know, I, I put shows on um, myself uh, to the point, then I started getting shows, you know, come to me. But 
yeah, I, I just figured no one was going to come and go, here you go, Matt, here's, here's, a, full, here's a full-time show schedule for the next year. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be the dream? So tell yeah, me, yeah. how long did it take from the time that you uh, had quit your job, you're now approaching pubs, yeah. you're trying to do some shows and then uh, asking people if you want to have me as an entertainer, come talk to me. How long did it take for you to now get recognition, some credibility and some, some momentum being built? Like how long was it? Two months? Was it six months? Was it six years? How long did it take? Oh, it, it, I, I'll tell you, it was actually very, very quickly. Within the first three months, you know, of, of doing shows like this, I, I was starting to get bookings because I kind of had this system. I was like, well, if I can find one empty pub that wants me on a Wednesday night, well, you know, if I go another 50 Ks down the road to some different suburbs, I'm, I'm bound to find, find another one. And so then, and then I would say, well, look, how about now I kind of maybe, you know, the one I did to start with, I'll come back to them three months later. We'll do another one in three months time. And so I kind of built up a little schedule quite quickly of a number of venues like that. And, but then, you know, so if I was end up doing one a week, which was really interesting because I, I would get these um, um, various entertainers contact me and go like, how come you're getting all these shows? And I was, I mean, obviously it wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna just, you know, put out a blueprint to, to how other people could do it. But, you know, it, it was a case of, well, I'm not waiting for them to come to me. So it was within a few months, it was very easy for me to build up quite some quite, you know, quick credibility. Um, obviously you have to understand that whatever you're doing, you, you need to be good at as well. So it, it was still a gamble for me in, in the fact that like, are people going to like this, you know? So, yeah. but yeah. fortunately it was, you know, I designed the show in a way that people seem to really enjoy it and it, it, it snowballed from the popularity of that. Uh, but yeah, the push was definitely on like, get out and do it yourself rather than wait for someone to come and hand, hand it to you because that's mm. not going to happen generally um it. yeah and within a few months you know that that started coming through and and yo actually i mean within within two years i i i, I had a tv pilot like it was kind of crazy like i, I was oh, doing this yeah yeah like lots of things happened very very quickly um, okay, so, so this is like an I we're going to like a pullback because this is all Julie Juicy stuff. So <laughs> you, you quit your job. First of all, when you quit your job, were you married then? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't, no, wasn't married, but with but, but with my with my now wife, yeah. Okay. We, we, now, was she get it all? Was she like, oh, are you sure about this? Like, can you just like just, just, like, <laughs> just give it some time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so what? So this is what happened. Basically. Uh, we decided we'd take a year off traveling and there's no good time to do that. Uh, you know, there's better times, I suppose, but there's no good time, especially careers wise. Uh, my wife was in a very good corporate uh, job uh, for one of the major banks and she was allowed to take a year off without pay. Um, and she had some long service leave owing as well. So we could use part of that. And you know, for, for a commercial radio, you're, you're not getting, you're not getting leave without pay. You're either yeah. in the joy or out of the job. Yeah. Um, so it, for me to, I've always been a, a, a bit of a chancer in the fact that like, well, I, I never want to think, oh, what if I did that? I, I kind of almost go from that point of like, well, what's the worst that can happen if I quit my job? Like, I'm sure I'll find something in a similar thing if I need to. So, you know, I had to quit to do this year off traveling around the world. And in that year, that was kind of where I, I didn't specifically quit to kind of go, right, I'm quitting radio to become a hypnotist. But I did have this in the, mind, in the back of the mind, like, maybe I could try something different when I get back. And so in the course of that year, that was when that was cemented in the mind of like, do you know what? I have a, a chance to, yes, you know, 
put my feelers out in the in the in the media world again and see if I could get something. Something will come up at some point. But I also do have a, a unique chance to be able to kind of go, no, wait a minute, let's try something else. If it doesn't work, then we can go back to that plan of putting feelers out, blah, blah, blah. So then to enable that to happen, my, my wife was still working full time when we got back, which was great. I then also, uh, I, I live near the beach and I, I had become a very keen surfer and I actually did a surf coaching course so that what I could do uh, part time, I could teach some surfing, um, you know, a few days a week, a few hours here and there. And then when a show comes up, then I would do the show. Obviously it wouldn't conflict in times. And then as that, as more shows came, came in, I could then back off on that part-time bit and, and I increased the show schedule more. So I had, I had just a kind of a little bit of something. And then of course, you know, my wife was working full time as well. And, yeah, it was just a bit of a, okay, let's see if we can make this work. And what's the worst that can happen? You know, the worst that can happen is, you know, we default back to where we were before. Fantastic. So you take this risk, you're now approaching pubs, you're getting gigs. Within three months, there's now some consistency happening with you getting to speak, getting to do your thing. And then how do you get approached for a TV pilot? How, does, how did all that happen? <laughs> Well, look, and, and this, is, this is where I, this is why I always tell anyone who I'm talking to is, you know, just try things, just do things, because you never know what happens from them. Now, one, you know, as I said, I was putting these shows on, uh, you know, in different places. But one of the things I did do, I realised, I was like, hey, there's a, there's a comedy club uh, in Perth at the time, um, which is still there, actually. And I was like, okay, you know, on a you know, Tuesday night they have this, and Friday night they have that, da, 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 da. and then on an occasional night, on Wednesday night, they have, you know, whatever it was. And so, you know, I was, okay, contacted the organiser there, and I was like, hey, just wondering, you know, like, if I were to put a show on, you know, what the charges to do that, or, you know, whatever it was. And it, it was really easy for me to kind of, you know, go, okay, this is great. I can put on a one, once a month, show in a proper venue like in a proper venue so it's my first kind of like proper venue <laughs> yeah you know, fairly small hundreds hundred seater but proper comedy venue nice little stage so i started to put this on again put this in on myself and just over you know i had been doing that regularly for a few months and uh someone who was at the show uh, used to work at channel seven was fairly high up and said hey do you know what you've got something going on here which you know i like the way you present and you know i I think, you know, there may be something in this for TV. I, you know, I, I don't know, you know, but w is this something you'd like to explore? And I was like, yeah, sure. So from that, we, we started talking and then we formulated a, a, and bear in mind, I had nothing to do with TV for that. I, I wasn't knocking on doors. I wasn't looking at those, that opportunity. So I was just kind of along for the ride and just saying, okay, what do you need from me? All right, let's, you know, I'll film this little thing. Let's do yeah. this or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, then we, I started getting flown over to Sydney for meetings and, and, and that snowballed to the fact that, you know, we actually, we actually made it. Uh, I mean, the, the funny thing is it was one of those things, you know, um, you know, TV pilots get made all the time. You just don't hear about them because they don't go on, on TV. And, and, you know, although I got paid to do it, we made it, we spent weeks filming and all these things, it never actually made it onto the TV, but you know, the whole experience was yeah. quite phenomenal yeah. for something that just landed, for something that landed in my lap. Yeah. But also because of that, and since that, you know, uh, you know, that went on 
to you know other TV work, you know, consequently from that. So, um, but I can just uh, yeah, imagine so I guess what that did for your confidence. I can just imagine what that did for your belief in yourself. That okay, I, I am pretty like you know this is justification. What I'm doing is I must be on the right track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was quite amazing because I was like, well, literally a couple of years ago, I decided that I you know might want to try this crazy hypnosis thing let's see if i can put a show on let's see if i can get a few people to come along to the fact that you know i i was very quickly being you know given these other opportunities and you know it was, it was interesting you know how far it can go very quickly yeah. but I, I do think it's because i was fairly proactive in everything i was doing mm -hmm. and so some of the things i you know that came up which which were great about it and and still do weren't necessarily from the thing i was initially aiming for yet you know it's all those you know it's all those extra opportunities that come along because of what you put yourself out there for yes i was gonna say i've always been someone who who looks at things and thinks oh i could probably do that mm -hmm. and occasionally i've proved myself wrong you know a lot of actually on numerous times <laughs> but if you come if, if you but if you come from that side of things where you look at something and think oh do you know what there's someone doing something it obviously can be done so i can probably do that so that gives me the ability to try things uh more often than not and if they fail no worries there's always something you learn along the way i actually did a tedx talk on this so if you have if anyone wants to have a look up on that there was a tedx talk I, I did last year and it's called the power of probably um and kind of explores that idea but it, it does show you from coming from that kind of positive looking at things it yeah. does not matter about any failures because there's always something you learn along the way as well you know wonderful the power of probably so matt let me ask you this how long have you been doing it now like you're doing it full time now so how long has it been since you've been oh, a yeah hypnotist? uh 10 years full time at least now yeah years full time okay yeah now for someone who's listening and who's thinking you know i've got an idea that i want to do and it's unconventional and you've had success with it obvious success what, would, what are some of the pitfalls that someone has to watch out for in this journey of doing their own thing that there's no safety net? So what are yeah. the things that yeah. I've got to watch out for? Um, well, I, I think you do have to give yourself some kind of safety net. Uh, you know, you can't, I, I, I think you have to look at it and see what small part of the needle can you move, you know, which is still safe. You know, you, you can gamble on certain things depending on, on, on what your, you know, financial stability is at the time. And, you know, and like, yeah, I, I couldn't afford to just jump into it without, even though my wife was working full time, I, I still had to go out and find something to back me up, which was the, you know, the part-time surf coaching. And also at the same time, I was, you know, hosting quiz shows and bits and pieces like that, you know, just like pub quizzes and anything that was in my tool set of presenting, which I wouldn't have necessarily done for the previous few years. But I was like, well, the, all this in the background is just going to keep me going while I, I it, it allows me the time during the daytime to work on trying to market this new show and find venues that will have me. So, yeah, it, it's a, I always think you there's always something you can do that moves forward. And if anyone's, in fact, if anyone's listening right now and you've got like some kind of big, some kind of big dream of something you want to do and you think it's achievable in some way and, and you really want to move forward to it, I would, I would just say, what is the, 
what is the tiny, I, you, you're never going to go from zero to 10, like overnight. Mm -hmm. and, it, and you may not go zero to 10 in a year or five years. And sometimes that stops people from even, you know, getting on the rung of the ladder. So I always say, look, what is something you can do today? Like literally, literally, if you are listening right now, what is something you can do today, which will get you even the teeniest, tiniest bit further forward than you were today for by tomorrow? Mm. That may just be like Googling the production company of the thing you need made to, in, you know, it could be sending that one email, the two emails, but like, what's the tiniest, like that one email is not going to suddenly give you a whole career. That just bit of information about the product you need to use in your whatever, it's not going to be the whole career, but it's a tiny little key and it starts moving you forward. And when you start moving forward, the momentum builds and very quickly, you know, you're suddenly in this mindset of like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, this is, I can see this happening, you know? Yeah. So I always say it's that tiny, the tiniest little thing you can do today is, is within you somewhere. It does not have to, you do not have to say, well, I'm going to quit my job today. I'm going to throw it in. I'm going to go and do this because that may not be possible for most of us. It certainly wasn't possible for me in its entirety. There was, it, it wasn't a, ah, just do it. It, you know, I still had to think of what is the way I could do this. So yeah, I, I would definitely say you've got to keep moving forward in some tiny way, no matter what is going on else in your life, you've got to move forward some tiny, tiny way. Love it. So I, I love that. I a hundred percent agree with it within your work. How much of it are you spending delivering gigs, um, uh, creating material, for your gigs and how much time yeah. are you spending marketing? Because even though you've been doing it for 10 years, it's not like you just rest and go, okay, I'm here. Everyone knows me no. now. <laughs> You're constantly, you know, obviously putting yourself out there and marketing yourself in a different way, maybe, but how much of your yeah. time is spent on marketing versus creating yeah. material, right. which is a big part yeah. of it. Versus... I, know, I know we got this glass of water, right? See that water there. Yeah. Like if that's all my time, um, this, this teeny tiny bit at the bottom, is doing the shows yes. <laughs> and everything else is working on getting the shows. Yes. Um, Thank you. you. You know, yeah. The, the, it, the, the, uh, although it's, it's the bit I love, you know, it's, it's why I do it. It's, it's really like the cherry on the top, you know, it's like, Oh, and I finally get to do the show. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta realize, you know, like, I mean, I, I, you know, up, up until, uh, you know, up until recent times, you know, I was flying all over the world to do, to do events. And so, you know, it wasn't just Australia, mostly Australia, but, you know, sometimes internationally. And so, you know, even sometimes the fact of just, just doing a show, not take even out all the booking side of it, for me just to get to a show sometimes and do one show in a week, it may take me three days because, you know, I maybe have a day of travel or may have two different flights, then have to rent a car and get somewhere. And, you know, and it might all be for a 40 minute show or 40 minute yes. presentation. You know, we might meet the organizers before, have a planning meeting. Blah, blah, blah. So, but the actual thing of what I actually, you know, I set out to do initially was like, ah, you know, the performance side <laughs> is the teeniest, tiniest bit. So, it's, And it's the biggest tell all because I, I teach people how to use speaking to generate clients for their small businesses. And I say the same thing. You're spending 80% of your time just generating your leads and only 20% actually doing the speaking, which is what everyone wants to do. Yes. Yeah. 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 Everything yeah, it's, behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, I think it then comes back to what we kind of almost started talking about, which was like, you you have to go out there and do 
some kind of work because no one's going to go, oh, you're a speaker? Cool. Here's a load of speaking gigs. <laughs> You've got to create opportunities, create brand awareness, create you know, rapport, create contacts, all these different things. And would, would I have preferred to sit there and someone give me all my gigs? Absolutely. No. Would I still prefer that? Would I still prefer that now? Absolutely. But uh, obviously that's, that's not, that's not the case, but I, I don't, I don't know anyone working, um, working full time in, in the arts, entertainment, speaking uh, conference business who is not working hard in, in the background to, to make those events happen, you know? 100%, 100%. Can I ask you, Matt, in terms of, you know, when you work for someone else, like when you were in commercial radio, there is a certain mm -hmm. mindset, like there is a routine that happens to make sure you get things done. But when you're working for yourself as you are, what was the biggest, or do you find that there, there's a certain level of discipline where you have to remind yourself you've got to keep yourself, like is, you, is there any routine or thing that you do to keep your energy up, to keep your mindset straight so that you're not going to flake or you're not going to go, you know, you're just not going to lose the, the plot? Yeah, and I, I will tell you what I do, but I will also tell you it's not applicable for everyone because I, so I've mentioned before, we're now a husband and wife team, you know, we work, it's, although I'm the public face of this, my wife, my wife manages me full time, she does a lot of the business side, a lot of the logistics side, especially when I'm moving around a lot and it's hard for me to do that side of things. And we, we know from, you know, working at home together, uh, we work very differently. You know, my wife really, uh, likes the structure of going okay tomorrow my day's going to like this and then i will do this and then i'll do this and then i'll do this and then i'll do this for me i know i've got certain things i need to do but for me it's flexible i i like the flexibility you know like i mentioned before i, I I'm, I'm a surfer i love the water and conditions are good and bad in different times of the week you know nature dictates that and not my schedule so uh, I <laughs> so I, yeah so i'm someone who is i I will go, okay, what do I need to do today? And in fact, today, you know, I, I have three, you know, online speaking engagements today and the surf's pretty good, <laughs> but, but I will, you know, these are, these are locked in and, and, but I will find time to do a couple of other things and hit the beach at another point today. But what is key, whether you're regimented or whether you, that is a, a flexible regimented schedule, the key I think is to factor in some time to do something for you which is just pure joy, which is just something you love doing, something you just get a, a, a real bump from, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, it may be getting in the surf, but it also may just be wandering down the front, looking out the ocean, grabbing a coffee. But I, I'm someone, you know, I mean, like I said, you know, <laughs> like happiness is one of the, the things I, 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 I show people how to you know, keep going. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, it's important that happiness becomes a inbuilt, autopilot response yeah. that your mind has. And one of those things is, is you can create a pattern of happiness simply by you know, scheduling things that are gonna make you feel good. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of um, saying, hey, no matter how crazy your life is, no and this is, this is not just in the workplace. You know, I, you know, we speak to young mums who are just having a terrible time you know, with all the sleep patterns and, and the demands um, if they, they're new to motherhood, but at some point there's still some way in that day you've got to factor in, even as the tiniest 10 minutes, the 15 minutes to find that thing which you know is going to give you some kind of joy, some kind of happiness. That's been really important to, to pretty much anyone I speak to, whether in a group or personally, when they're trying to 
you know, come out of a, an anxiety-based background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. And because you're the author of, you know, like Mind Hacks, you know, it would, you know, you need to do it. <laughs> you need to be like the leader. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lead the well, for, yeah I mean, for, for me, for me, it's, we all think differently, right? And people have different skills on, on being able to get to different things. And, you know, and I just think, look, well, like, you know, I, I do know how the mind works. I do know how you can create new patterns in your mind. So I'm able to say, look, it's, it's way easier than you thought. And this is, this is like the blueprint to do that. Um, I, a lot of the time I, I, you know, I've dealt with people who assume that they are just, they just were born a certain kind of way, you know, I, you know, apart from physically, you know, most of the time that's incorrect. You know, you, you're not like, you know, if someone who tells me, oh, I'm just not a morning person. No, that's not actually true. You, you may have created that pattern by like going to bed late every night. And so not wanting to get up early in the morning, you do that a number of times, your brain kind of goes, God, yeah. I hate mornings. Yeah. And you become not a morning person. Mm -hmm. um, but simply because your mind gets used to it and suddenly goes, that's your new pattern. So we have, we have the ability to adjust our patterns all the time. And, and you know, that can be you know, templated across all walks of life, professionally, personally, mm -hmm. sporting life, whatever. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I totally agree with that. What's interesting for me, uh, listening to you, Matt, is the fact that, you know, I think the, the one ingredient that you had was a very optimistic look amongst in doing in this journey that you've had in the past 10 years, you've have been very optimistic. Because one thing I want to know is why is it that hypnosis, because you're very interested in the mind, the way it works, the way you're speaking, like, you know, there's a hat pattern, there's a routine that you've built, you tell your minds. Why does hypnosis interest you so much to the extent that you've built a career from it? <laughs> well, I kind of, I, I always came back from an entertainment background. You know, I started DJing when I was 15. You know, I just, I've always loved kind of getting in front of crowds and doing stuff. But at a very early age as well, I saw someone on the TV uh, doing this incredible memory stunt. They had a pack of cards, someone else shuffled it. Then they would look through it to, to, to do really, fairly quickly, you know, maybe two or three minutes. And I was like, all right, cool three clubs, ace spades, two dime, And you know, they were able to go back and recall those 52 cards in order after just having looked them for a few minutes. And I was thinking, God, that's brain. This guy's got some kind of like super brain, you know, I wonder what's different with him. And then he said, oh, and this is just a technique. You know, you don't need some kind of super brain. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. And you can buy it in my new book. And I was like, what? So I bought the book, of course, right? Mm -hmm. And sure, so I, I spent some time learning some memory techniques and do they take time to learn? Absolutely. Are they effective? Oh my God, yeah. So then I learned from that, wow, you can do quite amazing things with your mind if you know the right techniques. So then I, it opened me to fascination with like, okay, well, what else can you do with your mind, you know, if you know the right technique? Starting to see some hypnotists uh, at the time when I saw you know, the kind of entertainment side of hypnotists, they were fairly cliched, you know, you know, swinging watches, oh, this is a power I was born with and lots of rubbish like that. Uh, <laughs> but the essence of it, I was like, this is interesting. I want to know the psychology behind that. I want to know why that works. I want to know how it works. You know, there were some basic things I can recognize in the psychology of it, but I just want to know. So then I started delving into that and, you know, it was just a fascination. Strangely enough, though, it was not not so much on hold but just a tiny little bit in my life for many years because i with my entertainment background you know, I, I went from djing all over the world in clubs then to you know transition into radio and working on radio shows so i had all these really great careers which you know were, were great careers in themselves but so i, I it took me many many years to kind of go 
oh, that little hypnosis itch, you know, that thing I still really like. Yeah. Am I going to finally scratch it? You know, and like yeah. that, the only way I could scratch that was by, you know, you know, starting again. So, yeah. Because I know heaps of people who would love that position in radio. I know heaps of people would love to be a presenter mm. or a producer or a writer for radio. And yet you had that. You had the dream job of what most people <laughs> yeah. are studying and going to, you know, after courses and all that. And you still, that wasn't yeah. the one for you. You went further forward. And that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I spent probably 10 years across breakfast radio within the UK and Australia. Uh, and that's 10 years of getting up at 3.15am every morning. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, fe feeling pretty tired most of the time, because of course, no one else in your life goes to bed at seven or eight o'clock when you should be going to bed to get up at that time. So you kind of felt pretty tired most of the time. But the, the balance of that was it was a very exciting industry, you know, you get to meet lots of amazing people, you do lots of crazy things, you get invited to lots of nice things. But you know, there, there, there. I, I was. I've always said I've never been um, uh, defined by my career. Like, if you still ask me, you know, if you say, if someone asks me, what do you do? Well, my default answer is, oh, I, do, I love to go to the beach. I love surfing. You know, I'm. A, I'm a. I love the local area where I am. You know, I, I love having coffee with my friends. I love walking the dog. I love these things. You know. Oh, no, no, no. What do you do for a living? Oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, I love the mind. I'm a hypnotist. I don't, you know, so it was the same as in radio. I absolutely, I absolutely loved doing the job as crazy it was and as tiring it was, as it was, but it wasn't someone who also then lived and breathed it because I was like, oh, if I can finish by 1 p.m. today and beat the wind, I can get in for a surf this afternoon. So I, I always felt, and I still feel now that I, I, I don't like to specifically design and um, define myself by my job. Like I like to find myself by the things I love doing. Um, mm. I, I'm just very fortunate. I've also now put myself into a, a career, which um, is, 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 is fun. Mm. Um, and I do love doing, and it's, it's in my fascination with the mind, but uh, yeah, it's just part of what I do. And it shows, it shows in your, it just shows in your demeanor, it shows in your conversation, it shows in your energy, how much you enjoy it. Have you ever put someone, because I know you do hypnosis live on air, on radio, like live on air. And have you ever yeah. done hypnosis on someone and weren't able to get them out of hypnosis? Or a dog, but you know, they just want to stop being a chicken or a dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. First of all, I've always guaranteed everything I do is one hundred percent chicken free. That's been a guarantee since. Oh, the <laughs> nice to know. Because <laughs> you know what? When I first started, I was like, I I'm going to rip down every cliche about this oh, because you know there were so many cliches. You know, the spirals, the staring, the watches, the oh, the steering. You know, and I just never wanted any of that. I, I, I you know, I very quickly learned that. You know, we, we may call it hypnosis, but we experience the same kind of things under different names. When we call it hypnosis, it, it adds a certain air of mystery to it and mm. mystique and stuff like that. But uh, no, the, the stuff you're talking about, we're getting stuck in hypnosis, the stuff of, the stuff of Hollywood movies and TV shows. Uh, you know, hypnosis is basically a state of focused imagination. Um, I, this is, I'll, I'll give you a really potted example which i find which i give at the beginning of my shows when i present my shows live and it's normally the moment that everyone goes ah oh, right now i get it right so I, I kind of say look i know some of you have a hard time believing that some of these people on stage tonight you know can make something feel so real they almost believe it in the moment you know i know some of you are sitting there thinking how can that be possible but we all do it all the time right if you've ever watched a sad movie 
-hmm. you've cried, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is your brain making it feel so real in the moment? Because, you know, uh, you know, I say like the dog's not dead. You know, it's a stunt dog. You know, the, the, the <laughs> actors are people who are pretending to do this story that someone's written and made up, right? So we kind of know it's not a real story. We kind of know these actors pretending to do it. We kind of know the dog's mm -hmm. rolled over and it's just pretending to play dead. But it feels so real in the moment. When we're asleep and we dream we're falling, we can do this in our sleep. Boop! you know wake ourselves up yeah. or the person next to us up yeah. that is your brain making it feel absolutely real at the moment so our brain does this all the time so normally when i explain that to a, a group they're kind of like oh yeah so it can happen like so that is kind of what i do on stage <laughs> so it's focused imagination you you can open your eyes at any time you know you can stop imagining any time oh. uh, obviously most of the time you know people don't want to stop imagining at the time because it's fun the stuff we're taking them through so there's, there's not a chance you know it it's the same state of mind as daydreaming but i always like to say it's daydreaming on purpose you know the, the, the kind of state of mind your mind wanders off into when you're driving down the road and you're thinking about all the things that are going on in your life you suddenly get to somewhere and you go oh god we remember doing that journey yes, well, yes state of mind of kind of being away thinking about something else while you are physically doing something else that is what i create on purpose mm. within hypnosis that's really fascinating because i was going to ask you like do you like auto suggest if you get an argument with your wife like do you auto suggest <laughs> get her to agree with you and then she wakes up and just <laughs> conscious of like what 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 why what? <laughs> like, that would be like a superpower in a marriage <laughs> it would be wouldn't it be lovely? Wouldn't it be lovely? Just go click like. I think you'll believe I'm correcting this argument. You uh, no. will never argue with me again. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. So yeah, yeah. you've been a hypnotist yeah, yeah. for How do you get your corporate gigs, Matt? Excuse me. Sorry. What was that? How do you get your corporate gigs? Uh, to, to be honest, most of my work comes direct um, through our own marketing and and actually a lot of. A lot of recommendation which is nice a lot of referrals because because obviously over the years we've worked with so many corporations and 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 this is really important for anyone who is looking at this and thinking about a business they want to get into is also remember that even in that bottom level you know when you're doing you know for me when, I, when i'm doing a, a show in a pub for 15 people and you know the bars serving and there's noise everywhere and it's like the worst it and even when you're doing stuff like that there is someone in the audience you may meet five years later and they are running a big corporation or they are you know like so you know along the way i've always you know figured that anyone i come into contact with now i'm a people person i like that you know i love to, anyway, it's love, lovely chatting to you you know i love talking to people i love connecting with people um and so it's kind of natural to me to me kind of like to be engaging with people but it's definitely helped along the way it was like oh is that your show back you know da, da, da. and we remember we were talking about getting a hypnotist and i saw what you were doing now and so a, a lot of corporate work comes through but through referrals i do try and keep a fairly um high public profile um in general you know I, i'm lucky enough to uh, you know do a bit of tv work here and there um and yeah just bits and pieces so it you said that, that TV I do have, really helped you. Would you say that the, the platform of TV has been a big boost? Has that been able to sustain the your platform a lot more? Uh, no, actually, strangely enough, I, I'd say no. I'd say it helps in maybe 
boosting a bit of credibility, but it's not really something that comes with Look, I, I think unless you're in like a really massive show, right? You know, you know, I, I present a couple of, a, a couple of, I present a bit of a TV travel show. You know, I pop up on the Channel 9 News here and there, but you know, it's not like I, I'm a mainstay, you know, full presenter on a station or I'm, a, I'm hosting a show which is on twice a week, you know, mm -hmm. prime time, thing like that. So, and you know, now we, we consume TV like, you know, we haven't done for years in the fact that we are all over the place and there are so many options. So, you know, being on TV is, is nice. And again, it adds the credibility to, to certain things but I don't think anything really comes directly from it. It might mean, oh, there's that guy. Yeah, we should book, you know, it might, you might get a little bit of spark from the rest of the work you put in and just, just another reminder of that person, that woman, that man, I can see now. I remember they do that show. Yeah. It's all part of things. So, you know, I would say, you know, and then, you know, but I, it's only really in the last two or three years that I've been doing more TV, but what I've always been keen on is just trying to be everywhere. Yes. <laughs> just, I, I, I know that sounds strange, but that's like, mm. you know, if I'm, if someone's come to me to say, Hey, would you like, you know, we, we're looking for, for entertainment for our, you know, end of financial year event, mm -hmm. you know, and they've seen me, uh, they've seen me on on the back of a bus during the Fringe World Festival time, or they see me on a radio interview because I've been putting press releases out at the time, or they've seen me, you know, all this stuff helps mm. with, you know, narrowing it down to, to potentially you being the person at the time, you know? Yeah, the decision-making, absolutely. Absolutely, love it. Yeah. And Matt, if someone wants to find out more about you to do one of your courses, to purchase your book, uh, to even hire you, where can we actually go find you? Uh, well, there's two ways. Probably the best way is to go to matthail.com.au um, and there is a link to, I have two different sites. I have one for my speaking side, which is with the Mind Hack and Happiness. Um, that's got the presentation and actually on there at the moment as well, excuse me, on there at the moment as well um, is a whole, a whole load of free resources as well. Uh, in, in the time, um, you know, I, I know people will be watching this at different times, but in the time when we record this and leading up to this in, in the weeks before, obviously most of us been in kind of lockdown. Mm -hmm. I actually set out to actually provide a load of free resources. Uh, I thought there were so many people putting free things out, which I was like, oh, that's cool. I can learn this while I'm here. What can I, what, what can I equally do? Um, so I put out a load of free uh, audio programs, which help you sleep better, help uh, ease any worry, stress, anxiety, that kind of thing. Um, there's a whole range of free free things there and that's on the matthow.com.au site um my other site uses my full name which is matthewhale.com.au but it links off the other one and that is basically the, the comedy hypnosis site so there's kind of two different ones but they they both talk to each other anyway Wonderful. also i will just quickly say this i love social media i'm across all of it so if anyone wants to connect on any of my socials please find me i'm generally under the handle hypnohale I'm sure if you put Matt Hale, hypnotist, in, you'll find me on Insta, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, you whatever. Matt? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I am. Do oh, good. I'm going to follow you on TikTok. I love TikTok. I'm a big TikTok fan at the moment. <laughs> All right. Let me, let me tell you something about this, because I think it plays into something we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Earlier on, I mentioned I, I love to put a bit of joy in my life. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know I'm a, you know, 
I love just kind of mucking around as well. So when I started seeing TikTok, I was like, oh, this is, this is fun. Not for any work reason, not for putting clips of shows on, not, not for, you know, but for me to go like, oh, it's really funny if I record this silly video, you know, I found it really fun myself. Now, I started putting a few of those up. They're a lot of fun. You get a few hundred views here, a few hundred views there, whatever. I don't, you know, I, I was, you know, probably the oldest person I knew on it at the time, but now obviously, uh, you know, us, ad us adults have found it now, which is great. Um, but I, uh, in, in amongst all this, my parents were here in Australia. They visited from the UK. They're still here at the moment. And I started going, hey, Dad, this is a really funny idea. Get in front. I'll just do this. So I put one up of my dad. Uh, to date, that has had over 4 million views. So we, we suddenly went viral from just doing these silly things. And that thing of like putting some joy into your life, it was so much joy for us to do these things. Yeah. And then consequently, you know, if you get 4 million views on something, you get messages from people all over the world going, oh, this, this gave me so much happiness. Oh, thank you for putting that up. I can't believe, you know, so it's been, it's been wonderful. So yeah, I, you know, I, I put stuff up there all the time. So if you are on TikTok, Absolutely. you want to check it. Absolutely. Come and check just check out the silliness. No, I will. No, definitely. I'm definitely going to follow you. And I just want to say that just is a beautiful roundup to the fact that putting joy in everyone's life is you having chosen the career and having unboxed your gift is the, the real joy that gets put in your life every day. And so thank you for being an example of what's possible so others can learn from you and really be able to delve into their work and their gifts and unbox it just like you have. Yeah, absolute pleasure. I've been, it's been lovely chatting. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you on the very next episode of Unbox Your Gift. God bless.